God bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. So wonderful to be back home. Amen, amen. Excited for what God is going to do. How many ready for this weekend? Are there any kids ready for this weekend? Any big kids ready for this weekend? <laughs> we are going to have a good time. Friday night at 7, Saturday at 6, and then, of course, Sunday at 1030. Now, Sunday will just be the first half only at 1030 because afterwards we'll have our first community Sunday. Amen. We didn't have one, I think, the last couple of years due to crazy stuff, but we're going to have it. This year we've got a bounce house coming. We've got, uh, of course, the volleyball net, all that will be set up, barbecue. We're going to have a great time and looking forward to what God's going to do. So, of course, you know, casual dress. And uh, I don't know if it's been stated, but I'll make an executive decision, casual Friday and Saturday too. So there we go. So let it be written, so let it be done. Hallelujah. Yeah, that was easy. Okay. Amen. So we're going to have a great time. Looking forward. Please uh, be in prayer with the gums. They're traveling. They'll be here tomorrow sometime. That's our evangelist, kids evangelist for this weekend. And um, I think their term is goofy gums or something like that, right? Yeah. So we're going to have a great time. But looking forward to that. And uh, just keep all of our uh, festivities and activities and all those leading it in prayer as we get ready for a great weekend. Invite somebody to come to church, young or old. Amen. Because God's going to do great things. Amen. 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 So we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children, our uh, student ministries out tonight. And elements, if you haven't already been dismissed, God bless you. In Jesus' name. So glad to have my daughter home for the summer. Hallelujah. Amen. She did a great job leading tonight. I appreciate our praise team. Amen. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Jeremy's teaching on the end times this month? It's been good. A lot of good stuff. Of course, one night I was with him due to the potential beginning of the roof, all that. We had canceled that night. But uh, tonight I'm going to wrap up this subject uh, with a lesson the Lord has given me. And so if you have your Bibles, I uh, invite you to join me in Mark chapter 13 and verse 13. So Mark 13, 13. Sometimes it's easy to remember verses when they're like that, you know. You know it's the same chapter and reference, uh, um, verse. Sometimes it's easy to kind of remember. Well, you'll kind of see why this one would be an easy one to remember due to that. Fact. So Mark 13, 13, amen, the Bible says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. This also is recorded in Matthew 24, 13, and both Mark 13 and Matthew 24 are dealing with answering the question about the coming of the Lord. And, and both at about approximately the same time and in sequence, both Mark and Matthew record Jesus saying these words, He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So I'm just going to teach for just a few minutes on this subject called to endure to the end. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Father, you are the living word. I now ask that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, speaking both your logos and your rima to your people. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
And we pray, expect, believe every bit of this in the majestic, marvelous, and magnificent name of Jesus. And if you believe it, would you shout amen? Amen. Praise God. So tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to answer two main questions. Number one, what does it mean to endure? And number two, how do you endure? I want to break those two down, two key questions, and break them down. But before I get to those questions, did you know that the end times topic is not the first context in which Jesus spoke about enduring to the end? When he initially sent out his 12 apostles to the lost sheep of Israel, he encouraged them to endure to the end. Watch what Matthew 20, excuse me, 10 verses 21 and 22 say. Matthew 10 21 and 22, and brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall, uh, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So when he's commissioning them the first time to go out, he says those words. So basically, when he's speaking this, both here and in the context of the end times, then when he did speak it in the context of the end times, the disciples, the apostles understood that it meant to remain faithful to God despite anything. How many of you know Jesus is coming? How many of you know he's coming soon? Right? But if, if, if you'll allow me just a little, uh, uh, you know, latitude here, the word soon is a very intriguing word. Here's why. Because three times in the last chapter of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon. And that was written in 96 AD. So apparently Jesus' idea of soon and my idea of soon are a little bit different. However, uh, I do not say that to scoff or doubt that Jesus is or will come. Uh, But since a thousand years is the same as a day to him, soon to him is different than what it means to others. And besides, God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. He is coming soon. He's timeless. Let's remember that. So as I await his second coming, I will deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow Jesus so that I'm prepared every day to endure to the end. So... Since we know Jesus is coming, and we know He's coming soon, and we know He's coming after the tribulation, and we know this from Matthew 24, 29-31, Hebrews 9:28, as well as a plethora of other scriptures, then I know each of you want to be ready when Jesus comes. So let's get back to our two questions, and, and let's see what God's Word has to say about the answer. So number one, what does it mean to endure? Well, endure means to abide, not receding or fleeing, to persevere under misfortune and trial, holding fast to one's faith in Christ, especially in tribulation, to cleave faithfully to and waiting for the Lord. So there's a a wealth of information in that definition of what it means to endure. So enduring then is not just about the end times. It's about persevering through pain. It's about continuing despite the circumstances. 
It's about abiding with Jesus, refusing to run away when the going gets tough. Jesus asked a very sobering question recorded in Luke 18 and verse 8. He said, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? In part, Jesus was asking this because of the rejection that he experienced by many of the Israelites. He knew eventually that his disciples would abandon him during his time of greatest need and trial. He knew that Paul would eventually prophesy a falling away that would precede the day of our Lord and our gathering together to him. So when we read Jesus' encouragement to endure to the end, we need to take in all that it means and do our part to remain faithfully committed to him, his word, and his kingdom. And if we doubt like Thomas, when that moment comes, let us repent like Thomas. And if we deny that we know him like Peter, let us weep those tears and find a place of repentance. And let us never be like Judas who takes our lives into our own hands and goes to the wrong people to try to find reconciliation instead of going to Jesus. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we sin, let us remember we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But let us do our best every day to remain faithful and committed to God and His Word and His kingdom. Now, the following scriptures help us to illustrate and answer what it means to endure. And I'm going to look down through these, and we'll pause a little bit here and there as the Spirit leads. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down or whatever. If you can turn fast enough, you can turn. But uh, uh, in Acts chapter 14, 22, Paul and those who were traveling with him encouraged the born-again believers everywhere to continue in the faith because through much tribulation, we will enter the kingdom of God. Mm. Now that's one of them verses that you don't want to jump up and say, woohoo, amen, praise the Lord. Yeah, preach. Right? <laughs> right. Now when it says that, you know, the Lord heals us or feels us or delivers us, those are, man, we get excited about that. You know, when he protects us and kicks the enemies behind, woohoo, we love those. But when it says through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom, we're like, whoa, okay, about that. Um, you know, how much is much tribulation here? You know, are we talking, you know, a couple of things or a lot of things? And, uh, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Can we negotiate this, Lord? Right? But I want to be also clear that this is not speaking of the great tribulation necessarily, but rather it's also indicating the personal tribulation that we go through and including persecution. I do want to remind you that even though we may not experience it here in the western part of civilization, over 60 million Christians a year are persecuted for their faith. And some of them unto death, even in modern times. And so this would apply to them in that regard. In the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love 
never fails. Therefore, love compels us to remain steadfast, immovable, and to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. It is God's love for us and our love for Him that fuels our faith as we endure. It's hard to think of love in the context of enduring or persecution, but it is, it is that love that He has for us and we for Him that helps us to face what we're facing and endure. We're talking about you know, uh, uh, what it means to endure, so I'm hoping these are helping to answer that question. When Paul encouraged <clears throat> his son in the gospel, he told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 5, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You say, well, that's for preachers. Yeah, I guess you might say contextually you're right, but the Bible also says all Scripture is given and is profitable. So therefore, preacher or not, we can understand how this applies to us that regardless of what we're called to do and the position we feel in the body of Christ, it is imperative that we never lose sight of eternity and continue to serve and continue to endure despite afflictions. Amen? Amen? So, what does it mean to endure? It simply means you endure until your end. If that's death before the trumpet, endure to the end. So at your funeral, we can say he or she faithfully stayed true to God and endured. If your end is the last trumpet and you hear it sound, endure to the end. That's what it means. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We know some have already died in the faith. And they're awaiting that moment when they hear the trumpet and rise up out of the grave, as Scripture teaches. But some will endure through the tribulation, as Revelation also teaches. So whichever your end is, endure to it faithfully. And, and, and quite honestly, I'm getting ready to get into the how but I'm going to give you a simple answer, and then we're going to break it down. Not that it's complex, but we're going to break it down even more. The simple answer is, how do you endure to the end? That's our second question. One step at a time. One day at a time. Okay? That's the simple answer. But now for the little bit deeper answer. Ready? Everybody say, yes, but how? Yes, Great question. You guys are a wonderful audience. I was telling the preachers recently uh, in the call to preach class, I, I write in my notes every once in a while, I used to, YBH, yes, but how? Uh, because we need to be, explain and, and make sure people understand. So here we go. How do you endure? Well, I'm going to start with 1 Peter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So the first answer of how we endure is to pray eagerly anticipating His coming. Can I tell you that prayer is to our spiritual well-being what blood is to our physical bodies. Without it, we die. We must never relegate prayer to an option or a last resort. Prayer must always be our first priority. 
I like how Sister Elder Vesta Mangan said it once. It's time to trade in your prayer life for a life of prayer. Prayer, amen, must be our priority. And Peter, by the way, was not the first to speak about constantly praying. Paul also instructs God's church to the necessity of praying always in Ephesians 6 and verse 18. And in Jesus' parable of the widow and the unjust judge in Luke 18, 1 through 8, he begins that parable by saying, we ought always to pray and not lose heart. In other words, not faint. So in this, in this parable, in her quest for justice, this widow does not give up until the unjust judge rules in her favor. If he had been just, he would have ruled favorably immediately. But he wanted money. He wanted to be bribed. And since she had no money and could not bribe him, he kept dismissing her. But her importunity kept her coming back day after day, week after week, however long it lasts. And, but remember, Jesus begins this parable. He ends it by saying, shall he find faith on the earth? And he begins it by saying we ought always to pray, connecting prayer and the loss of or the keeping of faith to prayer. In other words, if we're not praying, we're not going to be enduring to the end. And if we're not enduring to the end because we're not praying, we're not going to have faith. But if we're praying... Mm -hmm. If we're continuing in prayer uh, earnestly and not giving up in prayer, and even when it's hard and even when we don't know what to say, then we're going to endure and we're going to have faith to make it through to the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. Maybe this is why Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and said to them, pray without ceasing. Amen. Hallelujah. In our quest for victory, we must never give up. We must always pray and believe and expect God to intervene. The Bible tells us to uh, ask in faith, uh, uh, pray, asking in faith, uh, believing. In, in other words, you know, you ever... God, let, me, let me rephrase. We, we don't go to God like this. Lord... Uh, you know, if, if you don't mind, I know it's, you know, I know you're God, and there's 8 billion people, but if you wouldn't mind, you know, that's not faith. That's not praying with a sense of expectation. Praying with a sense of, watch tonight, just, just come and stand by my study door and watch any one of the children tonight. That's praying with expectation. In fact, tonight before church, I've already had two or three come in. I want candy. It, they didn't even ask. I want candy. And they walk over, boom, and they get it because they know Bishop has it. That's faith. That's expectation. I had another boy walk in the door. Didn't say hello. Didn't say welcome home. Just said, can I have candy? I'm like, well, honey, the door's locked and after church. I can guarantee you he'll be one of the first. That's praying with expectation. That's coming boldly before the throne of grace. To obtain help in the time of need. I have a feeling when this woman kept coming back, avenge me of my adversary. She wasn't asking in a, can you please, if you don't mind. She was probably coming with a, hey, I got a problem. You're a judge. I need you to deal with it. Right, 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 
She was coming with a boldness. Hallelujah. The Bible also tells us to pray, making our requests known with thanksgiving. Now, that's an interesting to me because if we're asking for it, we don't have it yet. But thanksgiving is praying in faith, saying, I'm thanking you for it already in advance. I'm talking about how to endure to the end. Amen. Without consistent and constant prayer, we will never endure. Number two, this is another way to answer that question, how do you endure? In Psalm 119, verse 33, the Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. So how do you endure? Based on this verse? By learning and applying God's word. How do you learn and apply God's word? You read and study it. Because faith cometh by and hearing by the Hallelujah. If you're unteachable, you'll be unreachable. I wish I could tell you that everyone I've ministered to and everyone I've served as a pastor has remained faithful. I wish I could stand here tonight and tell you that everyone that I've lovingly led and fed as the flock of God has remained teachable. I wish I could tell you those things, but I can't because it's not true. But what I can tell you is that those who have remained teachable, those who have kept their nose in the word, so to speak, those who have studied his word and and wanted to apply it and, and wanted to understand it and wanted to learn it, I can tell you those people are equipped and empowered with God's word, and I believe they'll be able to endure to the end. Again, much like this psalmist says, teach me, O Lord, the, the, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Praise God. Another answer to this question is found in 1 Corinthians 1. Let's begin at verse 5. That in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody say, waiting for that coming. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Everybody say unity. And that there be no divisions among you. Everybody say unity again but that you be perfectly joined together, there it is, unity, in the same mind and in the same judgment. So how do you endure? By being perfectly joined together, by being united in the church. We need each other. Ecclesiastes teaches us that two are better than one and a threefold cord is not too quickly broken. We need one another. Hallelujah. Did you know... That if we're going to get there, watch this. I, I wish I could put it on the screen, but, but bear with me. Everybody get your, your, your creative brains working here. To get there. There's heaven. To get there. Now just kind of push it all together. We got to go together. Do you see it? <laughs> the phrase or the sentence or the, you know. To get there, you can, you can just about, well, you can just move an E and spell together. Amen. So there it is, together. 
We're instructed to pray together, serve together, study together, fellowship together. Because one day Jesus is coming back and we'll be caught up together. Amen? That's how we do it. That's how we endure. Romans 6.22 But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. By the way, the verses I'm using, there's words in them that correlate to the original Greek word endure from Mark 13, 13. You're thinking, well, I haven't heard the word endure in Psalms or these other places yet. No, but but it correlates. And even even the Old Testament, that that Greek word correlating to the word keep uh, in the the old, amen, from the new. So how do you endure? According to Romans 6.22, by being holy as he is holy. By perfecting and pursuing holiness inwardly and outwardly. By living peaceably with all men. That's how you endure. By the way, God would never instruct us to do something that was, it would be impossible for us. If I told an infant tonight, all right, you're on your own. Get up and clothe yourself, feed yourself, and drive yourself home. I mean, let's be realistic. It ain't going to happen, is it? Okay? In fact, the, the infant will not understand what I'm saying. He or she can't talk yet. Hmm. So God would not tell us to be holy if it were impossible for us to do so. You can be holy. Well, it's like Brother Oggs used to say, you just got to have the want to. <laughs> so how do you endure? Pursue holiness. Pursue being peaceable with all men. Perfect holiness inwardly and outwardly. Romans 12, 12. Here's another one. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. The word patient there means to uh, persevere. Okay? So how do you endure to the end? Well, I think that verse pretty well just said it pretty good. Rejoice in that hope that you have. What's the hope? The hope of his return. The hope of his coming. Titus calls it the glorious appearing, right? Rejoice in that hope. You rejoice and and, and you persevere despite the tribulation you're in. And once again, you continue instant in prayer. You want to know how to pray without ceasing? Merge it with this verse, 12.12, Romans 12.12, right? How do you pray without ceasing? But you, You continue instant in prayer. That means at the drop of that, you can begin praying. Means if you're driving, you can pray. Means if you're walking to the sidewalk, you can pray. If you're going to the store, you can pray. If you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, you can pray. Continue instant in prayer. Amen. See, here's the problem. If if we don't have that life of prayer that Sister Megan talks about, then the first 20 minutes we've got to repent for, you know, A to Z. Right? But, but if we're staying prayed up, man, we can just, boom, in the name of Jesus right now, just start praying. Continue instant in prayer. Hmm. You see, here's the thing. Weeping is going to endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. So how do you endure? You just hang on. Because the darkness ain't staying around forever. It's going to get better. Don't give up now. 
Listen, this is not a time to quit on Jesus. Let me tell you, this, if there's ever a time to, to put it all in, it's now. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. You know, the economic world will tell you to diversify. And make sure that your, your you know, portfolio is well diversified so that if this sector of the market crashes, you're good over here. Amen. But God says, hey, you know what? Put all your treasure in me and you can go ahead and count your chickens before they hatch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Asaph nearly gave up until, we heard Pastor Lucas preach about this a couple of weeks ago, until he went into the sanctuary. And once he got into the sanctuary, what did he understand? The end. And once he began to look at things through the eternal lens, he began to say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, the wicked prospering ain't that uh, uh, fancy after all. It, it ain't that desirable after all. Amen. I, I've got to endure to the end. Let me tell you, it's okay to feel discouraged. I'm going to say that again. It's okay to feel discouraged. But it's not okay to give up. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a parable of the four types of ground, the soil, right? And in Mark 4, 17, he mentions the stony ground that endured for a time. But when tribulation arose for the word's sake, when persecution came for the word's sake, they were offended. The King James says offended. What that means is they stumbled and fell. Isn't that interesting? The tribulation came on account of the word. So let me just say this, and, and I want especially people listening online and podcasts and whatever else, listen to this. If, if, if any author, preacher, podcast, tape, movie, whatever you might see or watch that tells you that living for God, you don't have to go through trouble, shut it off and burn it. They're a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Living for God is going to be some trials at times. There's going to be some heartaches at times. There's, there's going to be some unanswered prayers at times. There's going to be some, some dark times. But I'll tell you this. After living for God as long as I have, I wouldn't trade one of, I wouldn't trade one of my worst days for a thousand good days without Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. Besides, if you take away the pit for Joseph, he loses the palace too. So, so be careful, amen, that we, that we wish for and hope for a problemless life. So let me recap how we endure real quick by, by sharing you this. We endure by watching and praying. Watching there means to be alert, Okay, watching and praying by being teachable, by being holy, by being united, by living in peace and by never giving up. That's how we endure to the end. That's why I said the simple answer is just simply one step in front of the other. Hallelujah. A while back, I was having a conversation with an atheist and I said to them this statement. If a born-again believer arrives at the end of life and was wrong about God, they've lost nothing. But if an unbeliever comes to the end of life and discovers they were wrong about God, they've lost eternity. 
There's benefits to enduring to the end. Namely, we get saved. <laughs> we spend eternity with Jesus. I mean, what, what, if, if that's the only benefit, that's all I need, right? Okay, but there's more. And this is not a cheap salesman commercial. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but there is more. There's a lot more. Amen. You see, I mentioned earlier about carrying our cross. Luke 9, 23. Quoted the verse. Didn't refer to it, but quoted it. You know, take up your cross daily. Follow me. Jesus said, well, one day we're going to trade that cross in for an eternal crown. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul calls it an incorruptible crown. Listen to the words here. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And everyone that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible there I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm looking forward to that incorruptible crown. Are you? Well, Paul also called it the crown of righteousness. Listen to 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach! The word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Hallelujah. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered at the time. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Here it is. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And watch this. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Does anybody here looking forward to it? Does anybody here could say right now, I love his appearing, amen. Then guess what? There's a crown of righteousness waiting for you. Oh, but that's not all. It's also called the crown of life. In James 1, 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Amen. Do you love him? Then you've got a crown of life waiting. Will you endure? Then you've got a crown of life waiting. But that's not all. It's also called a crown of glory. And Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 1, through four, the elders which are among you I exhort, whom also am, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Oh, hallelujah. I'm looking forward to the day when I trade in the daily cross for an eternal crown. Hallelujah. Amen. In my lifetime, I've achieved a lot of things. I've won contests before. 
I've had trophies to showcase different successes that I've had. I even lettered in concert band and marching band and had it on my uh, jacket in high school. Yeah, go me. I don't even know where that jacket is now. Probably couldn't wear it anyway. You know where most of those trophies wound up? You know where most of those certificates and letters wound up? Probably in a landfill somewhere. And even some of the other accomplishments I've attained in this life, guess what? They're all going to fade away. They're going to be consumed when Jesus comes. But every prayer I've prayed, every hour I've studied Scripture, every eternal treasure that I've laid up in glory is earning eternal dividends. I've had money in the stock market before. I've had money in savings accounts before. And there have been some times I've looked at my statement and go, oh, because it went down. But you know what? Every time I look into the Word, it gets sweeter. Every time I look at, oh, come on, somebody. Every time I pray, it feels better. Why? Because those dividends keep increasing. Hallelujah. Did you know that the eternal dividends we have, that treasure laid up in heaven, Inflation can't affect it. Politicians, thank God, can't affect it. Deceit and thievery can't affect it. And nothing can hinder it. Oh, hallelujah. I like what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He said, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm. There's a parable of an elderly, wealthy, Christian tycoon woman who, upon arriving in heaven, was escorted to a home that resembled nothing more than a shed in someone's backyard. Puzzled by her humble abode, she noticed that the home next door was exquisitely stunning and spanned an entire city block. She asked the angel why her home was so plain, small, and humble, while her neighbor's was massive and beautiful. The angel replied, oh, um, the houses are prepared from the materials that you invested in heaven. We do not choose them You choose them by your faithfulness on earth. Now, of course, it's only a parable, but it contains a profound truth. What do we value more? The temporal or the eternal? Are we looking for that next promotion or that promotion? I'm not against promotions, and praise God when you get them, I love it. But but understand, am I... Am I missing church to get that promotion? Now, obviously, you're not because you're here. So I'm saying it for the benefit of those that aren't here. But it's true, isn't it? I can't remember what the percent is. I think it's less than, less than 1%, I believe. Less than 1% of, of children that get started in sports at a young age will eventually make it to pro sports. It's like, you know, 0.7 or something percent. But did you know if you start your child young in the church, there's a really good chance that when they're teens, they're still going to love Jesus 
I'd much rather invest eternally than I would temporally. The supposed wealth of this present world pales in comparison to God's eternal wealth. My wife and I have savings and retirement accounts, and, and, and if, if you can do that, I, I strongly recommend it. I tell young people all the time, that's the smartest and best thing you could do. I wish we would have done it when we were first married at 20. Okay, we didn't, but we are now and, and, and trying to catch up. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's not where my heart is. We've dipped into that a few times because there's been other things that are more pressing. I believe in planning for the future, but I also believe in planning for eternity. You see, I'm called to endure to the end. This morning, God dealt with me about this message and, and how to uh, begin you know, uh, looking at its uh, uh, words. And, and, and I, I have a sobering contrast to bring to you. One thief entered paradise while the other entered into eternity without God. If Demas never repented, then he traded the temporal pleasures of this present world for the eternal presence of God. The rich young ruler went away sorrowful because of temporal wealth. And if he never found God and if he never repented, I can only imagine how sad he will be when he realized he traded it all for an eternity without God. There was a traveler abroad one time in a foreign country, and he noticed a very odd sign that attracted his attention. In big, bold letters, it said, Eternal Life for Sale. Wanting to know what it was, he walked to the building, and as he approached the business, he saw that it was a coffin-making factory. Satan is hoping that he can distract you with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He's hoping that you'll be like Eve and eat the forbidden fruit. And he's gambling that you won't know the word and be duped by his evil devices. But Jesus is interceding for you, having died and rose again for you. He's hoping that you'll do his will here and now so that you can spend eternity with him there and then. Jesus is hoping that you'll use his word to defeat Satan and to live eternally. Praise God. You see, Adam and Eve failed to identify the lies of the serpent. They failed to replace those lies with God's truth. They failed to make an authoritative and an anointed declaration which it would have caused that serpent to flee. So instead, let us learn from Jesus, the last Adam, who, when he was tempted, according to Matthew 4 and Luke 4, when he was tempted, he identified the lies of Satan and replaced them with truth. It is written. And he gave an authoritative and an anointed declaration telling Satan, get thee hence, Satan. And since God, has given this church a shift and not a season. And I think it's time to pray, fast, give, worship, praise, evangelize, study, and live holy like we never have before. Don't give up. I want to be ready when he comes. But I also want to be ready if he comes for me tonight. 
I want to live my life having put it all in for Jesus. Amen? Let us stand. I wonder if we could take just a couple of minutes. It's not even quite 8 o'clock yet. Just take a couple of minutes and ask God to search our hearts and give us some fresh courage tonight to endure, to press on, to press through. Lord Jesus, I pray right now according to your word and according to your name that you would give us, Lord, a fresh boldness. Just like you spoke to Joshua. Encourage us, Lord. Just as David did and encourage himself in prayer. So we pray for that encouragement to come. That we would stand faithfully and endure to the end. Help us to keep our eyes on the eternal prize. And never be distracted by this world's temporal wealth. God, I pray that you would give us strength as we persevere, give us strength as we endure, and let us all hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. While we're still praying, if, if you would help me pray, let's go ahead and pray for this weekend. Let's just take a minute here and pray that God would minister. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would anoint the gums as they come and give them strength. Lord, in traveling mercies, anoint them. God, protect them. Use them for your glory. I pray that many would be filled and healed and delivered Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do an amazing work as only you can, Lord. I give you the glory and the honor. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, we pray right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We pray for these who are out ill and sick that you would bring healing to their bodies. Uh, Lord, we pray for Emily in Jesus' name. Right now, touch her with healing and strength, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Is he wonderful? Yes, sir. Amen. I think it's worth it for us to, to do what it takes to endure to the end. Amen. We need each other. Let's work together. Let's encourage one another. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord bless you. God is wonderful.